Hey, Fedheads. Welcome back to Sharing Our Pairings. Uh, I'm your host, Trip, live on Facebook, broadcast around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network, and always available uh, on your favorite podcast catcher or on the classic YouTube. Uh, here's my co-host, Dennis. Dennis, how you doing tonight? The YouTubes, man. Absolutely fantastic, Trippy. How you doing? Good. It feels weird that uh, we we kind of accidentally took a whole week off last week. We had some... Yeah. Uh, I, I was out of town, which I'll talk about before we get into things here, just briefly. Um, and then we had some, uh, some technical difficulties and uh, combined with a miscommunication with our guest last week and for Cigar Chat. Uh, and I think it's kind of for the best, because I was... Um, I didn't realize how ill-equipped my laptop is for for doing all the production required to to get this show working. Because um, I, as people may may or may not know, I've got a uh, I forgot to click a button. We're still live. I just forgot to uh, save the settings I was changing right before the show. Um, so as people may or may not know, I'm always looking over this way because I've got my production machine over there uh, where I do like all of the the video transitions and the intros and outros, and that's what's actually streaming to Facebook right now. Um, turns out my laptop can't do that so well. So uh, there was like an eight-second delay between me talking and the video. Oh, man. Um, so it was like it would have been confusing for people. Um, and what I found is with me and Jason, uh, our delays were actually different. So it wasn't like, oh, just watch it on YouTube and it'll be fine. Um, because the delays were different, so... Uh, I would have had to splice out each each little square, and oh man, it would have been it's not easy. It would have been terrible. It's yeah. such a pain. Uh, but anyway, we're here tonight to smoke a cigar from a brand that I I don't think I know they've never been on the show, um, and I don't think most people even know about them. Uh, this brand is called Ohana. So if I can get you to focus there, buddy, that would be great. I think I actually saw these guys. Um, I know they have a. Uh, they're distributing out of, I guess, probably just one shop in in New York State, and I think it's in Buffalo. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure I saw them at the Buffalo Cigar Fest last summer. Uh, yeah, probably. I know they're based out of Texas. Um, the cigars. Uh, I don't know where they were originally made off the top of my head, but I know that they moved in 2016 to Noel Rojas's factory, uh, the New Order of the Ages. Uh, who you you may know, they also uh, the the only other brand that I can think of off the top of my head is uh, Jossum Crawl JSK. They also make their cigars, which is pretty cool. They're good cigars. Um, so we're gonna smoke this tonight. This is the Pulse Maduro, um, and we've both got the box pressed five by fifty two, which we were saying seems a little more petite than fifty two. Like it seems like a forty eight. Um, and I, but- I totally don't mind. I love the smaller Vitolas, so this is like really easy to hold. Good size for me. Yeah, I, I like this size. Um, but we were just saying how it, it seems more like a 48 to me, um, which is odd. So the the blend on this guy is a Mexican San Andreas wrapper with a Nicaraguan binder um, and Nicaraguan fillers from Condega, Jalapa, and Ometepe, which is conspicuously uh, leaving out uh, Esteli, which is interesting because most Nicaraguan... Most cigars with Nicaraguan filler have at least a little Esteli in there. Yes, sir. Um, what do you think of the cigar so far? I'm getting a lot of that San Andreas like uh, dirt. Um, yeah. Oh, and Anthony Rosicki says they're actually no longer doing JSK. I didn't realize that. Oh wow. I, uh, okay. Actually, now that I think about it, I think huh. I did. I do remember reading that, but uh, I forgot for a little bit there. Yeah, um, man. For me, anyway. I'm uh, San Andreas. Always a fan. I love it on anything, but mm. I I really do feel like some of that Ometepe, the sweetness. 
right? That rich sweetness that comes off is really popping with this. And so immediately I'm hit with just chocolate, like solid milk oh, chocolate. Yeah. And there's a, uh, so I get a little bit of that chocolate, um, some of the, uh, like that gritty, spicy, dirty earth mm. from the San Andreas. And then there's there's definitely some like, some nice sweetness that I'm trying to place. I think it's kind of citrusy almost. Not citrusy, but it's kind of like got a, a kick. And there's a little bit of coffee bitterness in there. Could be the jalapa, huh? Yeah. So usually jalapa is like, jalapa is probably the sweet part. Um, Ometepe to me usually has a little bit of funk, I guess is what I, how I, the only way I can really describe it. Oh, Anthony Rasiki knows exactly what's going on. So uh, NOA, which is the uh, New Order of Ages factory, they do a lot for Ezra Zion. Prendello, who is uh, coming up, uh, they're, they've just kind of made it into onto my radar recently. Ohana and uh, Noel's Brands, Guayacan, and Saber de Esteli. Thank you, Anthony. We appreciate that. And John McTavish agrees. A little bit of Ometepe funk. Yeah, absolutely. I'm digging it. I'm, I was looking at it thinking, man, I'm so nervous. I got to not smoke as fast as I normally do because I'm going to smoke through this thing in like 15 minutes. Yeah, there's kind of a it's it's uh, even though it's five by fifty two, it just seems like a tiny cigar, and uh, it seems to be burning a little quicker than some do. But before we talk about the cigar more, we talked about the first third a little bit. I'm still trying to identify what that sweetness is. It's definitely like a funky sweetness. It has to be that Ometepe. Uh, but I'm going to talk about my first beverage that I'm going to be pairing here tonight. So this is a, a drink that I paired a couple months ago. I think it was like. Three or four months ago. It's, it's been a while. This is early times bourbon whiskey bottled in bond. Um, and as I talked about before, there's there's not a lot of information available on this. It's a uh, early times is a classic bourbon brand uh, established in 1860. And this is different from their normal offering because it's bottled in bond. Their normal offering is a, a blended bourbon, which means it has to be two years old Uh and it has to be made in the U.S., and that's about it. Um, oh, it's also got to be 51% corn. So this is bottled in bond, um, and this is actually Kentucky straight bottled in bond, which are three classified terms. Kentucky means that, obviously, it's got to be made in Kentucky. I'm getting pop-ups on my other computer. That's awesome. Hopefully, it didn't come through on the stream. Um, Kentucky means it's made in Kentucky. Straight means they're not allowed to use any flavors or colors um, so this is kind of surprising. All natural. All natural color. It's, it's very dark there. So I'm, I'm betting they use uh, heavy, heavy charred barrels in here. Um, and I'm just realizing realizing I meant to talk about what I was doing in Texas last week. But I'll, I'll have to get to that while I'm drinking this. Uh, but that, I mean, that seems kind of appropriate anyway. Uh, so it's Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey bottled in bond. Uh, so I already covered Kentucky and straight bourbon. It means it needs to be 51% corn made in the U.S., um, bonded means that it needs to be aged for at least four years and it needs to come from all of the spirit needs to come from the same distillery. And I believe I don't have this in my notes, but I'm almost certain that it also means that, uh, it needs to come from the same distillation year. So all yeah, of I the, think that is right. I, so I think they're like, basically with bonded, it means you're getting whatever, whatever the age is that it says. And this one isn't an age statement, but that means all of the bourbon in there needs to be the same age and it needs to be at least four years old. Um, so I'm going to take a couple sips of this while you talk about your first pairing and then I'll talk about my little adventure last week. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about it. I so my first are. pairing, dude, we will, uh, when we get to there, we will get to there. Um, 
I'm pumped about that. Uh, so my first pairing comes from Stone. I haven't had a Stone beer in quite a while. And it is their fairly recent release from February 26th of this year. So this is their Scorpion Bowl. It's hard to say. Scorpion Bowl IPA. It's kind of hard to say, huh? Um, it is. Yeah, I don't know why. It's such a weird thing. I was just talking to, to Trip about this before the show. And, you know, we're used to drinking these really intensely hazy IPAs. And this thing is like, like I said, this is pretty much like a Pilsner that possibly has gone bad. Maybe sat in the bottle for too long or. Yeah. We've all seen or it, like right? A, like a, is, copper, a copper lager or something like a that. A copper lager, yeah. That's like. a good way to put it. You know, it's not typical. Normally, when you when you pour a stone IPA, especially something like this, which is like really intense, full of hop, uh, you kind of expect like this really intense body to it, right? And this doesn't have much of that. But um, let me just talk about stone a little bit. For those of you that don't know, uh, it was founded back in 1996, and they're headquartered in Escondido, California. And recently, a couple of years ago, I think at this point, it's been maybe two years, right? They've moved over to Richmond. They've um, they haven't entirely in Richmond, moved, Virginia. but they... they uh, well, no, most, they still maintain the original facility as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Most of their East Coast uh, distribution is brewed in Richmond. Yep. And they, uh, I guess they moved out there to, to meet extra demand. Uh, but these guys are like, they're, they're massive. I don't know how many people realize that Stone employs something like 1,100 employees. Mm-hmm. That's a ton They're of people. For, for perspective, uh, the uh, the Boston Beer Company, so Sam Adams, has about 1,500. Wow. So they're that's like, actually, you know. They're, uh, that's a better comparison. That's a great comparison because I didn't realize they were that big. Oh, they're massive. Yeah, yeah. It's wild, man. And so this beer comes at in uh, 7.5%, which, you know, you can't really taste it. Their whole thing, the whole name with Scorpion is... For those of you that know or don't know, there's this uh, cocktail, like a, it's called a scorpion bowl. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've heard of it. Oh, yeah. It's like this intense, fruity, super tropical punch type thing with a ton of different things in it. And their whole thing and was they wanted to make a beer. It's like a 64-ounce. Yeah, just like this in, right? giant yeah. thing, right? Tons of stuff, like pieces of fruit, all kinds of different liquors, like enough to make you sick probably. I've never had one, so I don't know. Um, but they wanted to make a similar beer. They wanted to make something really fruity, really tropical, but only use hops. They didn't want to put – originally, they wanted to put fruit, and then they tasted it, and they said, Yano, we're not going to do the fruit. We're just going to keep it to the hops. Uh, And they used stuff like Mosaic, which we all know and love. Uh, But then they used Laurel and Mandarina Bavaria hops, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. Uh, But I'm going to drink through this a little bit as you talk to us about your your trip. And uh, i got to think about this beer because I'm not 100% on this yet. (laughs) Um, so I, I forgot to mention, people pointed out that I forgot to mention it, uh, that bottled in bond also means it has to be bottled at a hundred proof. Um, oh, I forgot about that. one of the things that John pointed out that I wasn't aware of. So I was aware of the hundred proof and I was at least tertially aware of the same distiller rule or of the, uh, same season rule. Um, I didn't realize it has to be aged in a federally bonded warehouse, uh-huh. so, but okay. I, I'm not sure why. I'm not sure what that means exactly. It sounds good. I'll have to do some research on that, uh, unless unless John has some answers in the comments here. Um, Legal tax requirements, maybe? Bypass I mean, that would be my guess, is that they? it's something like, uh, I mean, I know what a federally bonded warehouse means in cigar terms. It means that you can import cigars, store them in the federally bonded warehouse, um, but you don't have to pay tax on them until they leave the warehouse. So I'm guessing it's something like the same thing. I'm just not sure of the specifics. And Facebook is is just being a jerk right now and not showing me 
any other comments. It's like giving me the top four comments, which is really weird. I wonder if it's also insurance liability too, for because it's it's alcohol. Uh, it could be something like that for sure. Um, but anyway, as as I try to figure out this Facebook thing, so that I can see some of your comments here. Um, oh nope, that wasn't it. Um, so last week I went to Texas to go to the launch of Oak and Eden Whiskey, which for those who haven't been following along at home. Um, Oak and Eden Whiskey is owned by Ezra Zion. They also own, own the brand Cigar Federation. They run the store. I kind of run the the media side of things without their without too much uh, oversight or anything like that. Um, and they are they're partners in this whiskey company that they they announced uh, I don't know a couple months ago, two months ago maybe. So we they had this launch party that I was invited to to cover as media. Um, I got an interview with the owner uh, or rather the CEO and founder of Oak and Eden whiskey. I got some good pictures. I got to taste some of their whiskey, which was nice. Um, and so I just wanted to talk about their whiskey a little bit. So we're going to be, I hope we're going to be featuring it on the show at some point. I think we are. I um, would love that. Yeah. So they've got two, two that came out right now. They have a bourbon and a rye. Um, and the interesting thing about both of them is that they age, the, they pack them with Oak spires. So when you buy it, uh, there's like a, a little lump of oak, the oak spire floating around in the bottle. And I was really surprised by a couple of things. I mean, it's it's all going to be in my interview that I'm going to release at some point once I transcribe it. And the oak spires, I mean, it completely makes sense. It's just a thing I'd never thought about before. They actually age out after about six weeks. So they put it in there and then it sits there for about six weeks and it's, you know, it's soaking up bourbon and then it's releasing it and it's kind of saturating and pulling out those those tannins and uh and it's it's pulling the flavor out of the the oak spire and after about six weeks it's completely saturated and there's no more transference of anything going on which i was really surprised to hear i hadn't i mean it make like i said it makes sense but i hadn't thought about it and um it was really good whiskey so they have the bourbon and the rye um the bourbon he said is high rye he didn't say how much um, probably somewhere around like 35% rye or something like that. Um, and the rye itself is 95% rye. So it's like all rye. That's intense. And, and they're only aged for two years right now. Um, I would guess at some point they'll be coming out with more, but I mean, we've talked about how the bourbon in- or the whiskey industry works. You cannot, ju- you can't just release a 15 year whiskey as your first venture. Um, you got to work your way up there and definitely it, it reminded me, the rye at least reminded me a lot of uh, uh, Willet Rye, which is a three-year. And it's got that youngness, but then it's got like, that gives it some bite, but it's also got like a ton of flavor. Like it's it's really aggressive on the on the palate, which I like. I, I enjoy it a lot. Um, I prefer the rye a little bit more than the bourbon, but you know, I, I need to taste the bourbon a little more uh, before I think I can wrap my head around it. I think I, I think I made a mistake going for the rye first and then tasting the bourbon afterwards. Yeah. But it's it it's, it's pretty rough on the palate. Yeah. It's, it, it should be available in most parts of Texas like now. Um, so if you're in Texas, go see if you can find some, call your local liquor, liquor stores. Um, I do. I mean, uh, I, I unbiasedly recommend it. I, I think it's worth picking up. I didn't get, I didn't get the, uh, the details on the price though. So I'm curious about how much it costs. Um, I don't know why I never asked about that. 
And homebrewers can take that spire out and throw it into your next batch and get some extra little funk to it. Yeah, and actually, cool. speaking of that, they actually did the reverse. They they had a couple experimental whiskeys there. Um, one of them, I think, may come out at some point. I got. I mean, I don't feel like I'm speaking out of turn by saying what was there because I got pictures of it and I had permission to take pictures. Um, but they did have a bottle that had a label on it and everything, like totally legit. Looked like you could have just bought it off the shelf like the other ones. Um, where they aged the spires for, they didn't say how long, but they they basically soaked the spires in Cabernet and then transferred the spires directly into the bottles and filled the bottles with whiskey. So the so the bottles of bourbon had, or those bottles of bourbon had way like way more flavor. It was off the charts flavor. That sounds um, phenomenal. And it was really interesting because it just tasted different. Um, like you got a lot of that like. Uh, I don't know that that red wine bitterness kind of and fruitiness that you don't usually get in a whiskey, which was interesting. Um, so I think they're going to. I think as the company expands, I think they're probably going to stick to these the rye and the bourbon for now. But I think as they uh, as they expand and grow, they're going to be releasing some variants like that that have the spires just aged in some funky stuff, which I think will be pretty cool. But anyway, yeah, it's going to be fun. I just wanted to talk about that briefly because it was a lot of fun and I appreciate those guys inviting me down there to cover it. Um, and again, I'm going to have a, a, a written article or kind of interview on it uh, sometime this week or maybe early next week at the latest. So let me let me get back into the comments here. I've been sipping on my bottled and bond here. Okay, so, so yeah, the, the history of bonded warehouses comes from basically um, they were government controlled, so... Uh, distillers couldn't do uh, shady stuff to their whiskey, like add coloring and water it down and all that stuff. Uh, that's kind of where all those rules came from. But, I mean, still, in modern times, they're, it's ensuring that the whiskey you get is what it says it is on the label. Um, because bottled and bond also means, I mean, anything you put on a, on a whiskey label, on any kind of liquor label in the U.S., is very highly regulated. Um, they don't let you just put whatever you want. Um, a lot of people have that misconception that like companies might be lying about what they're putting in the bottle and stuff like that. But uh, if it says it on the label, that's what you're getting because they're uh, they're staking their business on the fact that that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. I gotta make sure my cigar doesn't go out here. Man, so you still have your uh, your secondary band on there, huh? Yeah. Have you made it past yours already? Oh, dude, I'm I am. Uh... <laughs> oh my god. I'm I'm pumping through this thing, and you know what? It's really smoking great. It's uh, the draw on it is just so consistent, and I love that. I love that this is a cigar I can put down or pick up as fast or as slow as I want, and it just still keeps going. I think that's really cool, and it's not easy to do. Yeah. It's it's really hard. So I think I, I can tell little... you. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, because I was going to uh, talk about my whiskey. You're still. Oh, no, I was, was going to say. Uh, I I can tell you from my own experience rolling cigars. Dude, it is such a difficult thing, and you know, obviously, cigar smokers appreciate that. But it's not until you really roll your own that you realize just how hard it is. Yeah, it's not easy. So, so how's that whiskey treating you? It's, it's. Uh, I think I was a little harsh on it the last time I had it. I think I had it right on the back of. I think I had it right after another bourbon, if I remember correctly, or right after a scotch or something. And I remember it kind of tasting cheap, but it's actually a lot better than I remember it. It's. Uh, like on the nose, there's a lot of green apple and caramel and like a ton of uh, of like, I don't know, of char. Like you can smell the char on the nose 
with it. And then you can also taste it. On the palate, it's surprisingly spicy and uh, surprisingly sweet in a, in, a, uh, in a very delicate way. It's not like a syrupy sweetness. It's like a, uh, I don't know, it's like a delicate uh, pastry kind of sweetness that it reminds me of. And then some vanilla. And there's there's just a ton of oak in this, which I really like. You really get get some of that char, which which uh, to me that's something that I really like. I love like a heavy char whiskey. Oh man, I'm the same. All day, any day, always great. Yeah. Oh, and Millerman says New Holland does a pretty good beer aged whiskey, um, oh. and also the Jameson Stout okay. Caskmate. I've had the Stout Caskmate. I think that's pretty good because um, it's got just a little bit of that stout flavor. So the interesting thing with the New Holland beer aged whiskey is uh it's they they uh so new holland actually buys barrels fresh they buy fresh charred barrels then they make whiskey in it wait i can't remember if i'm remembering this correctly or not uh if i remember correctly maybe they only did this for a short period of time actually they might buy used barrels again these days i know they started with used barrels but then for at least a short period of time they would make whiskey age it in those barrels for two years take the whiskey out and bottle it put beer in those barrels, age that for, I think, like six months or something. Then they would take that out, and then they would add more whiskey that was already aged in those barrels back to those barrels so that it's aging in the beer barrels. That's Um, dedication. That's not easy to do at all. Yeah, so they're using those barrels three times for essentially three different things, uh, three different products. Um, But I'm not sure they do that anymore. I mean, it just seems like they can't make that much whiskey uh from the first run and sell it as they do dragon's milk like the yeah that's a good point i mean they they sell a lot of dragon's milk and they only sell a little bit of that uh that whiskey barrel or that beer barrel aged bourbon i have yet to try that i need to i always see it in the store uh i need to pick up a bottle yeah me too i keep meaning to i just haven't made it i haven't made it happen yet this is a good cigar you're killing this cigar aren't you i just heard oh dude I, I just pulled my band up my my primary band off. Um, I'm loving the cigar. It's it's great. It's just consistent. The chocolate flavors are insane. It's just a for me at least. It's a hundred percent chocolate bomb. Like you said, there is some funk to it, um, and it's almost like that smell of like a wet uh, wet barnyard soil. Yeah, yeah, that's yes, the right way to put it's it. Kinda, it's kind of like that. Um, yeah, um, I like it. Like the way John described it in the comments was musty. Oh, that is what it yes. is. It's like yeah, a definitely. musty flavor, which a lot of people hate. Um, but I think I've come around to it. And and to me, this tastes like it has more Ometepe than most cigars do. Uh, most cigars that use Ometepe only have a little bit um, and you end up kind of getting an accent flavor. And this one has it as more of a primary. Flavor. Yeah, it's it's definitely refreshing, too. It's, it's nice to get some slightly different flavors than normally what you're used to, especially when a lot of times you go to a store and you look at a cigar and just based on how it looks, you kind of get an idea of what you think it'll taste like. It's yeah. nice to finally sit down and smoke and realize, wow, it tastes really different than when you expected. Yeah. Um, it's a lot spicier than I, than I expected based on the looks like based on the looks. I expected a sweet chocolatey. Yeah. Experience. Yeah. The retro hill has, has been pretty spicy. Yeah, and this has a lot more layers to it. It's got some of that spice. It's got some of that sweetness, um, and then some of that funk that I really wasn't expecting. All right, I'm gonna move on to my second pairing of the night. Um, wait, did you talk about your your first pairing? Did I skip I over did. that completely? No, oh, no, no, we got it. Okay, we got it. Okay, I wanted to make sure because I I realized <laughs> that I might have skipped that entirely. 
Um, so my second pairing is Wiggly Bridge. I love that bottle. Um, small batch bourbon whiskey, small barrels. So they use smaller barrels for this. It's um, like I've said before, I don't know a lot of the history of this whiskey. Barry has talked about it. Barry Stein from Two Guys Smoke Shop. Um, talk about him again in a second. Um, so this is made in York, Maine, uh, aged four years, and it's 43% ABV. That's about all the details I have about it. Um, and Barry will, Barry might even have it on the show. So Barry is going to be on the show next week. Uh, we're also going to have special guest John, the cigar surgeon, McTavish. I am so pumped for that, man. That's going to be awesome. I'm excited. Man, it's going to be that show's going long to be show. Long show, very long show. It's going to be a long <laughs> show. We might, uh, we might have to bring a couple extra cigars for double that overtime. One. Yeah, we'll be smoking the Atabay Lancero, which like I'm, I'm giddy like a schoolgirl to smoke that cigar. I cannot wait. Um, because as, as John and I have talked about before, Atabays are like, you, you, ex- you have a certain expectation when you pay $30 for a cigar. And when the cigar is like surpassing every expectation yeah, at that price level, it's really surprising. Um, for me, typically when I, when I get a $30 cigar, I expect it to be a, a very good $15 cigar. <laughs> like <laughs> that's a good way I, to put it. Actually. I don't expect to feel like I'm getting my money's worth. And with Atabay, I feel like I'm getting my money's worth. Um, and Anthony Rasiki just commented, uh, I was right on. So beer barrel bourbon is first aged in new American oak barrels before finishing it in dragon's milk um, stout barrels. And I think that those new American oak barrels are the ones that hold dragon's milk in between. So uh, it is the beer barrel bourbon that I was thinking of. But I wonder if all of the dragon milk goes in those barrels or just a portion i would hmm. think just a portion I, ca- I can't see them making enough yeah. whiskey to sell um at the volume of dragon's milk because um, dragon's milk used to be a thing that you could just uh, like you would get it once a year i can buy it year round now like yeah. any day of the week i can Absolutely. walk in and buy a six pack of dragon's milk uh, which it blew my mind for the like the first time i saw it i was like oh god i gotta get it and i bought a six pack and then or a four pack i think they come in and then the next time I went to the store, they still had it. And I was like, whoa, that's weird. And then months later, they still had it. And I was like, whoa, this is a, a brave new world where I can buy <laughs> dragon's milk every day. That tends to happen with a lot of beers, I've noticed. Yeah, it, but it, it depends on what how the brewery wants to handle that demand. Um, so some beers like, uh, like Goose Island, their uh, Bourbon County Stout, that's never going to be that way. It's always going to be like limited availability. Some people clamor for it. I mean, I can still buy it in a couple places around here. Um, it's not easy to find, but there, I know of a couple places that still have it. Um, or like Plenty of the Elder, where they know yeah. they know people are clamoring for it. They know they could sell five times the amount. But part of what keeps people buying it is the limited availability. Um, Heady Topper, same kind yeah, of deal. Yeah, exactly. There's there's a lot of beers like that. Um, now that I've talked about my second pairing a little bit, while I take a couple of sips, why don't you talk about yours? Actually, before you do that, I'm going to talk about our sponsor. Uh, this segment is actually brought to you by the uh, Cigar Federation store. Our friends over at the store, store.cigarfederation.com. Um, it's one of the places where you can get these fine cigars. Incidentally, we didn't. I promise we didn't choose this cigar because of. Uh, but I mean, if you're if you're shopping for Ohanas, why not get them there? All right, what's your next pairing, Dennis? Oh, man. So my next pairing is based off of a little adventure I took this weekend on a whim to check out a a local brewery in Jersey called Cypress. And uh, so Cypress Brewing Company is pretty new. They they started back in 2015. 
And I went there and I just kind of sat down, hung out for a little bit, had a couple of beers, chatted with some of the people there. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of heard about them before, but I've never really picked up any of their beers. I had a tasting with uh, with Matt and um, one of the other guys from actually uh, Reddit's New Jersey Beer subreddit. Oh, nice. Matt and another guy are moderators on there as well. And uh, one of the guys brought out one of their beers and I thought it was pretty cool and fun. So I went to check it out. And this one is called Loco NL Coco. <laughs> kind, of fun, kind of a fun name, you know? Cool bottle. And um, Imperial Oatmeal Stout, right? But this is the catch. Their whole thing for this beer is they pretty much source all of the cacao that they used from uh, Peru. And oh, wow. they got it from this company called Yellow Seed, who I have, I've never heard of before. And I, I researched them a little bit. It looks like they actually they are really big on fair wages for farmers in the Amazon. Um, and they just really do a lot of cool work to support just sustainable farming down there, you know, and, and of course just fair trade in general. Yep. Um, they got a ton of cacao from those guys and this beer comes in at like nine and a half percent. So it's pretty hot for, I mean, I guess it's in the right realm for an Imperial stout. Um, these days it's pretty standard. I remember years ago an Imperial stout would be like maybe six and a half, seven percent around there. Now we're like Imperial Stout standards are like twelve percent, thirteen percent. I've had some at fifteen percent, which is crazy. Uh, I've got one coming up that's got a little bit of heat on it. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm excited for that too. Uh, this, I mean, this beer is really pretty and it's really cool. And I love that this is kind of just this local for me. It's exciting to just go somewhere super local and try something in a very small production where people are still kind of. They're willing to take risks. You know, I feel like a lot of the bigger companies get to a point where they're so big, they're just trying to get through regular production. That excitement of the the weird experimental stuff kind of dies out. Mm -hmm. When you're young and fresh and sort of very small production, you really force yourself to uh, try to, you know, get outside the box a little bit and try to innovate, right? Because you want to get your name out there. Oh, of course. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's pretty cool. These guys do a, do a pretty cool job. I'm enjoying it so far, but I have some thoughts. I'm going to leave it for later because I, I want I want the cigar to develop a little bit more before I say anything specifically. Um, so tasting the Wiggly Bridge, there's a really interesting contrast between the Wiggly Bridge and the early times. The early times is spicy and it finishes intense. This one is smoother um, in terms of the spice factor, but it but it's way more intense on the palate and then it finishes cleaner. Hmm. It's a really interesting contrast. I'm trying to wrap my head around it. And the nose on this one is much friendlier, too. Um, much the more clean finish is really interesting full. to me. Yeah, I'm trying to figure it out. Like, I'm I'm boggled by it now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, it like, starts off super, super flavorful on the palate, right, like right up front. And then it finishes with a, a little bit of burn because it's 43%. I mean, that's that's not crazy, but it's got a little more burn than I would expect at 43%. Um but then, like, the finish is just surprisingly clean for a bourbon. And check out the light. Like, I don't know if it'll focus. I don't think it will, but it's got some crazy legs. Like, it's one of those ones oh, where yeah, it's I so see it. thick yeah. that it takes, like, It takes a while for it to come down. Yeah. Before it starts coming down. Um, and meanwhile, this one is, like, two seconds. And there goes the legs. It's a really surprising contrast. And, like, this one, the legs are still going nuts. Which, if, if you can't see it there on the camera, um, and, or if you're just not familiar with it, I mean, I don't know. It's it's such a common term to me that maybe a lot of people aren't familiar. 
legs are when you swirl the whiskey in your glass and it kind of coats the sides. It's how long it takes to like beat up and uh, you end up with what looks like lines vertically, kind of kind of droplets are are streaming down, I guess, is the best way to put it. I guess that's um, for, for wine drinkers. That, that'd probably be uh, what you'd call lacing. Mm-hmm. For beer drinkers. I mean, beer. Thank you. <laughs> I got wine on my mind. I'm thinking yeah. about that. I'm thinking about that whiskey. <laughs> I'm craving it, man. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping I get to try that one again. Um, but it sounded like that one is not going to be for sale, at least anytime soon. The problem is I'm not sure how well either of these bourbons go with this cigar. It might be... I might be saving the best for last unintentionally here. You know, I think you and I are in the same boat, actually. I'm, I've purposely held back a little bit on saying anything just yet because I just, you know, I want to give the beers a chance. Obviously, I want to give the cigar a chance as well. I think the uh, that funk and the intense spice of the cigar just doesn't seem to be playing well with, with either of these whiskeys, I don't think. Let me go back through them for a second here. Sorry for the dead air, guys. Man, I'm, I'm getting some weird... And I, I think it's because of my final pairing. I don't want to say what it is just yet. I'm getting some weird flavors from this cigar, man. Like, I don't know how many of you have actually tried this, but I was in the store the other day and I saw something really weird. It was like um, chocolate hummus. Whoa. Have you have you had that? I, I don't I've know if never heard really... of that. No? Okay. It was weird. I was in the store. I saw it. I thought, hey, let me try it, right? Um, and it's like supposedly healthier for you. Obviously, it's healthier than Nutella, but or any other type of spread type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has that kind of like chickpea chocolate. It's almost like, I almost want to call it a muted chocolate flavor. And I think that's from my final pairing. I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the cigar. Um, I, I think I can see what you mean. It's got like that, that chewy funk and, and then like a sweet chocolate. And then of course, like this, I think it's getting more spicy as it goes. Oh, definitely. A spicy Absolutely. cigar at this point. Um, so I'm going to talk about my last pairing right before we take our break here. I'm immensely excited to try this. This is I love that can. It's so sexy. Teeth. I mean, so this is from Modern Times Brewing, Modern Times Beer, as they prefer to be called. Um, I think I think I was saying it last week. They have some of the best packaging around these days. Um, they've kind of got this motif of like 70s patterns uh, where they they use just all these weird patterns that I mean, when I was a kid, I remember seeing it like on my grandparents' glassware and stuff like that, or old wallpaper. Um, and their their breweries decked out with the same kind of stuff. But this is Devil's Teeth, which is a series of imperial stouts that they've done. So this particular variant, um, and an interesting thing about Devil's Teeth, as far as I know, they don't make a regular version. They only make variants. So huh. this particular variant is a nitro imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels with raspberries and bourbon barrel aged coffee. So that's the same coffee that they use in uh, City of the Dead where they actually barrel age the coffee beans. And then they use that in this beer, which then also goes into a, a bourbon barrel. Um, and some of the other variants, like one of them has pistachios. One of them is... Uh, Vanilla and strawberry, which I I, oh, I wanted to try that one. Dude, that and sounds so good. I'm gonna wait until I've tried this one to make sure, because I asked the guy which one was the best, and he said this is his favorite. And then they've got one that is uh, New Orleans style coffee, so it's Ooh, like that coffee. With um, and I forgot to mention this is a a 12 ounce can comes in at 12.9 percent ABV. Oh, that's uh, that's pretty hot. 
and I think I paid sixteen fifty for it. Wow, that's, that's New York that's, prices. Yeah, that's it's insane. <laughs> I uh, that's I nuts. think it's the most expensive twelve ounce. I mean, I know it's the most expensive twelve ounce can I've ever bought, um, but it's like in the top three most expensive beers I've ever bought. Um, like it cost this one can cost enough that I would pass over a six pack that costs that much. Um, but I really wanted to try it to see what it's like. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna taste it here and see if it lives up to the price. Um, I'm not sure that it will. We'll see. What's your next pairing, Dennis? So my oh, last pairing. I, oh, you we got a commercial break. No, I said that I had to take a commercial break and I forgot. Um, this final segment is brought to you by our good friends at Drew Estate. Mmm, they good. You got a cigar you want to highlight this week, Dennis? Dude, I'm gonna have to jump back to my old favorite, um, the Undercrown Sungrown. Yeah. That's a good one, man. I just, I've, I've, I've had, I've had so many that I don't even talk about how many I've had. That's how many I, I smoke <laughs> regularly. I, like, I feel like that weird guy that goes to a shop and just gets the same thing all the time. Doesn't want to like make oh, yeah. eye contact with anybody. Like, I'm that dude. I just want to make sure they have it, get it, and get out because I want to go home and smoke it. Yeah. And that's true. That's 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 totally me just talking. I, I think it's such a cool cigar. Uh, personally, my favorite Undercrown. If you haven't had it, go get it. Um. And it's affordable, too. So it's not one of those, like, $50 crazy rare cigars. It's available everywhere. Yeah, you can get them all over the place now. And again, as as Dennis said, it's a fantastic cigar. I love that cigar. All right, let's talk about your final pairing now. So my final pairing – oh, my cigar's going out now. Uh, My final pairing is something that I actually really, really enjoy pretty often. Um, Breckenridge Reserve Blend. And – this is kind of a cool bourbon. So this comes from Breckenridge, Colorado, obviously by the name. Uh, and I didn't know this, but apparently these guys are the um, the highest elevation, the, the world's highest distillery, they, they say. Really? Uh, like 9,600 feet, which is pretty interesting, kind of weird, kind of cool, right? But they use snow melt from the Rocky Mountains to make their stuff. So that adds like an, a kind of a, a cool element to it, I think. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, so this is a blend. It's a blend of four different distinct kind of styles, ages that they carry. Um, and personally, my my of all the different things that they offer, this is my personal favorite. But uh, the breakdown is is basically 56% corn, 38% rye, 6% malted barley. And I don't know who else in the U.S. does this, but these guys use an open top Scottish fermenter. Hmm. Yeah, that's the kind of Just thing that you. Different, you know, it's a nice different aspect. To yeah, it. It, I mean, it's possible that everybody. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying hypothetically, it's possible that pretty much everybody uses one, um, but you never hear about it. So I, I suspect yeah. that it's a rare thing. Yeah, that's what I mean. Most that's what I thought. Most distilleries just don't say what kind of fermenters they use. Exactly, and I, I know they're, um, you know, Woodford, Woodford, and Four Roses. They'll use different types of wooded, open top fermenters. Um, and it's kind of cool that they really went out of their way to, to say, hey, we use this stuff. Um, and these guys actually make a lot of different things. They make some vodkas. They make it f- infused spirits. And the thing that really kind of surprised me, I've been drinking this stuff for a long time, and I never knew this, is they actually make a sipping bitter, which is surprising. I don't think that's crazy. Uh, that's no, a very that common crazy. thing in uh, in like Italy and Europe. Yeah. Um, so I'm a big fan of... They don't pair with anything, so I've never bothered to have one on the show. Um, but they're called Amaro's. Oh, yes. And it's basically just a style of Italian herbal liqueur 
where it's like between 30 and 50 ABV. Um, and it's, I don't know, they got a lot of bitter herbs in there and stuff like that. And some of it's like so bitter, you, it tastes like it'll kill you. Like, like your body's <laughs> like, that's definitely poison. I'm 100%. Yes, sure. yes. I've had um, a couple of those. But you got to, you know, get past that and acclimate to it and stuff. Um, but there are a lot of those kind of liqueurs that I, I really enjoy. The only one I really keep around the house is like Campari and uh, uh, what's the other one that all the bartenders drink? Fernet. Oh, Fernet. Oh, Which man. A lot, I, yeah, a lot of people have trouble with Fernet. I, uh, I lived in Prague back in 2007. And uh, for me, Fernet is basically what tequila is to most people. Oh, yeah, I can see that. I, I can't, I cannot do, for, especially for net citrus, dude, I can't touch this stuff. It'll kill me. I'll die just looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that stuff, the first time I tried it, it was like, what is wrong with anybody who can drink that? Mm -hmm. And now I keep a bottle of it because I, I just like having it around. Hey, I always say that about Sambuca, but then you know what? Well, I had Sambuca with espresso after a meal and I thought, you know what? This is not bad. I can do this. I also, I, I need to, uh. Now, now that I'm mentioning it, I'm going to have it on the show at some point. But somebody showed me a cocktail that has a full shot of Fernet and half a shot of Angostura bitters in it. Oh, God. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's my jam. I don't, I don't think it'll pair well, but I'll, I'll have it on the show sometime. Just oh, you so must. I can talk about it. Um, yeah, maybe man. a cocktail show could be fun. Yeah, like an insane cocktail show like that. Uh, this beer is insane. Um, like... It smells like it smells like a barrel aged stout. Like I don't really get much raspberries or anything. But then you take a sip and it's like your your palate doesn't know what's going on. It's it's got like the hoppy bitterness and the sweet roasty flavor of the stout. But then you've got the bitterness from the coffee and the boozy hit from the bourbon and like sourness and sweetness from the raspberries. It's it's a flavor adventure. It's insane. <laughs> Like I keep drinking it, and I'm like, this time I'll I'll be able to explain it. And I take a sip, and it's like, I can I I can barely understand those flavors. You know, no mention of actually being able to explain any of them. So what you've got is basically Narnia in a glass, mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah, like I feel like if you took the raspberries out, it would be it would be good. But the raspberries elevate it because uh, it just brings like that that sweet fruity jamminess. But then with like the bitterness or the sorry, the sourness of like fresh. Yeah, raspberry. I was going to ask if you, if you get that that sort of funk to it you once really it do. sits for a while. Awesome. You really that get some of that really sourness. Good. It's very good. Um, like at the price, not something I'm going to drink regularly at all. Oh, yeah. But, it's, a, it's a tough price point. Um, and I, I did forget to mention it's 12.9 percent. It is a heater. 12 ounces of 12.9 percent. Man, that'll, you know, most people, especially if you don't drink a lot. That'll like really, you'll want to sit down after that, especially if you're smoking a cigar. Yeah, you'll I mean, it's it. no, it's it's not like the uh, the stovepipe can from Oscar Blues, which I almost <laughs> broke out for this show. That might be one for next week, actually, because uh, that's like a 26 ounce or 27 ounce can, yeah. I think, at 13.9 percent or something, and then like yeah. like I've you said before, plans. that is a hangover in a can. Dude, like, you cancel can all your that. plans and you hunker down for that. But it's worth it. You know, their, their stuff is, you know, we've had Oscar Blues on the show a couple of times and their stuff is just great. I, I've never had a beer from them that I that I hated. Uh, so we've got a couple of viewer comments. I've been I've been neglecting the viewers here a little bit. Uh, Chico Ray wants to know if we've ever had a flying pig sun grown. 
I I really like the the sun grown flying pig. I've had a couple of them. Um, uh, yeah, I have actually. I have a couple I, left actually still. Yeah, I've got. I think I've got two or three maybe in my humidor. I was uh, I was lucky enough to weasel a couple at the IPCPR last year, uh, which was awesome. And then they had. Uh, so it was. I mean, I should. We should talk about this during our Drew Estate ad. But Drew Estate does this pretty cool thing where every quarter they have an exclusive cigar to Drew Estate events. And so if you go to an event and you show them that you have the Diplomat app, uh, they give you a free cigar. You don't even have to buy anything. Um, you probably should because it'd be pretty bad etiquette if you just walk in and get a free cigar and then leave. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know your life. I can't judge you for that. Uh, but I think it was la- at the end of last summer, uh, like last September-ish. Uh, they had the sun-grown flying pig is that free cigar, and man, it was good. And hanging out with the D guys at events is actually pretty cool. They're all very easygoing and just fun to hang out with. You want to yeah. stay there and smoke a cigar. Yeah, locally we've got a uh, an event in about two or three weeks with Fabian. I'm excited to see him. It's actually like it's right after this show or sharing our pairing or uh, cigar chat. I'm not sure which. I don't remember if it's on Wednesday or Thursday, but I'm gonna I'm gonna either head over there before the show or head over there immediately after the show. Um, Cause I got to, you know, when Fabian's in town, you got to go give him some love. <clears throat> oh, definitely. So D- John McTavish is very surprised by the elevation of Breckenridge. And he says their angels share must be crazy. Oh yeah. Uh, because yeah. of course the higher the elevation, the more evaporation you're going to get. Um, and you know, that's part of, that's part of aging whiskey, I guess. Um, but I, I have to imagine there's if if they're going to be aging it at that elevation, there has to be some advantage to aging it at that elevation besides the angel share. I wonder if it's also just to get closer to the water source as well. Uh, that could be because, uh, as, as we all know, that's a huge part of making whiskey is where you get your water. And John also says he doesn't understand big bottles or cans with high ABV. I don't get it either. The, the only reason I can assume that Oscar Blues did it for the barrel age 1050 is because they are hoping you'll share it with them. yeah i mean now that i'm thinking about it, i think it's a 21 ounce because it's a it's a couple inches taller than a 16 ounce can um but still i mean it's an insane amount of beer at 13 point something percent and the last time i had like two glasses of whiskey this big on the show and then i finished off the oscar blues or the 1050 <laughs> after the show like I had it during the show, but then I finished it after the show, and I woke up with a headache. And it was like, I I had one beer and two half glasses of whiskey. That should not be enough. Oh, yeah. I will get you, man. I think maybe that's also a good sort of thing where they do those releases. It forces you to just get a you know a can or a bottle, go and share it with people. Yeah, that's, It that's forces actually- you to sit down with people, and that's, that's always a nice thing. A lot of people... We're all busy. We all have a lot of different things going on in our lives. And it's nice to be able to sort of sit down and invite somebody to share something with them. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, kind of like the uh, – a couple of cigars have done that. The uh, the Nunchuck from – Yep. Oh, I don't remember. Uh, Moya Ruiz. Did they do the Nunchuck? I don't think. Um, or was that oh, man, I can't remember. I don't know. I don't remember I just what had a, I, was. I just I finished a Nunchuck one. recently. Um, <laughs> but those came in pairs. Yeah. And then from Southern Draw Cigars, they've got those patakas, the, uh, yeah. which which the entire intention is you buy one pack and then you share it with somebody. 
Uh, and we're reaching the end of our Armed Forces Radio Network segment here. I want to thank all of our Armed Forces Radio Network listeners. Uh, we appreciate appreciate you guys out there doing things we're not built to do. Um, and we can't thank you enough for your service. Hope you have a great weekend. Um, if you can, we'll be here tomorrow with Al McAuliffe from McAuliffe Cigars. Um, I'm really looking forward to, to talking to him. I think he's, he's going to be an interesting guest. Um, so stay safe. We'll see you next week. And we're back with our After Dark segment. Um, Got to start getting those uh, AFRN breaks in there. <clears throat> Make sure that I time it correctly. Uh, that's the hard part. Timing is everything, huh? So how, how are your, how's your last pairing there? Man, you know, this is really actually the first time that I've I've had trouble picking my favorite. And it's not because I like all of them. It's I think it's because I don't necessarily feel like any of them fit. Yeah, I'm I'm realizing now this is a very difficult cigar to pair with. Yeah. Not what I expected. And that's I not mean, to speak badly of the cigar, obviously. No, I, I really like this cigar. <clears throat> I mean but my, I my bourbon is just too better. much for this. This cigar would actually go better to me with like a coffee kind of any kind of coffee like whether it's sweetened or with milk or black um like i could see this going with a cuban coffee or a a black coffee or you know just a a latte or something like that or you know whatever people drink these days that has sugar and milk in it i don't know how that works um because i drink my coffee black Um, coffee a little bubble tea action maybe oh yeah yeah like like something like that that's got some sweetness to it i feel like that could work um but unfortunately i think i'm in the same boat where i'm not sure anything really works that well with it i think an old-fashioned if you're gonna do bourbon with this i wouldn't say necessarily straight i would go with an old-fashioned it it might work a little bit better um ipas personally my opinion ipas are definitely out like that's yeah this cigar cannot handle an ipa this is not an ipa cigar unless maybe if you get a black ipa or you get an IPA with lactose. That's a different story. Um, Actually, now that you mention it, I could see a, like a, a really sweet lactose-heavy yeah. IPA working. But, I mean, those are so hard to find anyway. Even then, it's a stretch, I feel like. But so if I, if I really did have to pick one pairing for the night, my, my pairing would be this, this Scorpion Bowl IPA from, from Stone. And funny enough, I, I went into this. I tried it before, and I tried it with a cigar. And I said, it doesn't work. It's just, it's, it's too off. It's, uh, there's not much going on. And I think because it's a little bit older, it was released February 26th, very hoppy. You know, a couple of months later, you're not going to get that same, it's hard with IPAs. Yeah, right? you miss out on that hot bite. You miss a lot. And that ends up turning into this sort of like weird maltiness. It's kind of like, uh, at best, this beer is really just like a extra hoppy pilsner. Oof. But, but it does work. It does work, and uh, you know my my imperial stout. I like it. It's a good beer, but I think unfortunately it's a little bit too hot, and it's way too bitter from the cocoa, and it takes away from the cigar. Likewise with the bourbon. The bourbon is I'm getting too much toffee. Stone fruit is not as prevalent, um, and it just kind of takes away from the cigar. So probably the IPA. What about you? Um, it's hard because I don't think anything goes perfectly with it. A lot most of the yeah. time. I, I feel like we're lucky, and when we're going into a cigar blind like this, we can pick something that goes well with it. Um, this cigar, the the flavor profile just doesn't match up with what I was expecting in any way. Um, it's much more spicy. It's a little bit more sweet. It's a little bit less sweet than I would have expected, and it's got that underlying funk from that Ometepe um, that I'm really enjoying, but it just doesn't go that well with anything. I'm going to pick the Devil's Teeth. Um, nice. 
not only because I spent w- way too much money on it, but also because yeah. I, I just think that uh, an Imperial Stout goes really well with this, and this isn't a super aggressive Imperial Stout. It's got a lot of flavor, but it's not uh, like aggressively hoppy or anything like some Imperial Stouts are. So that's where I am. Um, and then Evan Kirshner, he's, he's, he's a local here in Portland. Uh, he wants to know what to pair with a real Cohiba Bahike. Um, unfortunately, I've never smoked a bahike. I've never had the the pleasure of having a bahike. But if it's anything like other uh, Cubans, uh, oh, actually, John McTavish has a a couple of recommendations, most of which I would agree with: rum, coffee, Ron Kubai, or Havana Club Selección de Maestros. Oh um, yeah, on the I money. The, I Absolutely. I agree with all of those. Um, yeah. I mean, you're not going to go wrong with any rum really with, with a Cuban cigar unless you get something crazy. Um, Personally, I prefer rum that's aged in bourbon barrels, which is still a lot of them. Um, but specifically, Brugal, Zafra, and uh, Florida Cana are my favorites. Um, Diplomatico. Diplomatico is another oh, yeah. good one. Uh, what I like a lot with a Cuban, um, which I'm sure I'm sure John McTavish is going to agree with this, I think scotch goes really well with it because uh, Cubans generally... Generally speaking, I'm speaking generally here. Um, Cubans are generally more complex on a uh, on a higher level than Nicaraguan or Dominicans. Um, like it, it's not that they're just more complex entirely. It's that those complexities are harder to pull out. Yeah. And Scotch is the same way. So I feel like, see, there you go, John. Glenlivet Nadura and a Cuban cigar. Oh um, God, that's perfect. That way. Yes, you've got two things that you have to you have to concentrate on. You have to search for those flavor notes. Um, they're not gonna nothing's gonna punch you in the face except for the uh, the the kind of finish of that Nadura that has a lot of uh, a lot. You get a lot of flavor from that barrel. Um, but really, you're kind of searching for flavors that way with the cigar and with the scotch, and I feel like that makes it work together. Definitely, and I think as far as beer goes, IPAs are unfortunately out. Mm-hmm. Um, as are, you know, many stouts, many of the darker, very heavy beers, uh, barley yeah. wines out, honestly, a, um, something like an old ale aged in rum barrels may work or Saison. I can or see Saison. Saison. Absolutely. Yeah. Something that has flavor, but doesn't necessarily linger. And I think you want that crispness because as you said, there's a lot of complexity to Cuban cigars in general. And there, a lot of those Flavors are very subtle. You have to sort of pay attention to get them out. It's not as as kind of bitey as like a Nicaraguan, for example. An all yeah. Nicaraguan cigar hits you in the face. You know exactly what you're dealing with. A Cuban cigar it takes a little bit of time. You have to think about it. You have to really experience it. Yeah, it it, it needs a little bit more focus to get the flavors out of it. And <clears throat> I, I think we're getting ready to wrap it up here. So I'm going to do the plugs. So tomorrow night we're going to have Al McAuliffe from McAuliffe Cigars. Uh, if, if you're not familiar with Al, he's a total badass. He's, uh, he's been a very successful businessman who decided it was time to start a cigar company, um, after being passionate about cigars for, for decades. And, uh, we're going to have a couple of giveaways again. I know everybody loves it when we give stuff away. We're going to give away a couple of McAuliffe samplers that I've got chilling in my humidor waiting to be given away to you. Um, so watch tomorrow. Uh, ask a question in the comments. We'll we'll get your uh, your name in to the running as long as you ask a question uh, on that post, which uh, 
you know, keep an eye out for it. It'll probably pop up in your feed if you're if you're listening to this and you're you've liked Cigar Federation. Um, and then very excitingly, next week we've got two special co-hosts for sharing our pairings. Uh, it's gonna be a long one. It's gonna be uh, crazy. Like, yeah, strap in, get ready. We're all gonna bring a couple <laughs> of extra cigars just in case because uh, we're having Barry Stein from Two Guys Smoke Shop and John McTavish. I guess I can say John McTavish from Developing Palettes now. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have them as as guest co-hosts on the show. It's gonna be a lot of fun, and uh, that I mean that's the kind of show that you can't miss, right? It's that's gonna be a lot of fun. I can't wait. I'm so pumped for that show. Yeah, me too. I, um, I mean, I was looking forward to it when Barry was on it, and now that we've gotten John involved, like, you know, it, it's gonna be a blast. Double overtime, sudden death, lots of good talk, lots of good drinks. We're gonna make it happen. Absolutely. Lots of goofing and gaffing. Yep, as as uh, it should be. Yeah, it's that. That's gonna be a fun episode. If you missed that one, you're a sucker. Uh, John McTavish says the first person to get loaded wins or loses. <laughs> I mean, nobody's sure. It depends what you say. I mean, it depends what you say on camera. That's it. Uh, but I, I suspect we'll all be a little loaded. Oh, definitely. After that one. Loaded like Rob Halford, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Any other closing notes on the Ohana Pulse? I thought it was a good cigar. I really liked it. Uh, that it, it's that funk that I wasn't expecting. Like, um, it reminds me a little bit of the what I like to call the Davidoff funk. It's like that mushroomy. Oh, okay. Kind of I didn't really even think about that. Yeah, it's a really. It good reminds point. me a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, but it's got so much more intensity, and yet still that uh, that funk works its way through. And it's super smokable. I can have two back to back easily, maybe even three easily. <laughs> and it's a cigar that I, I feel like I want to pick up and throw in my bag and have with me. You know, if I want to, well, for me, I smoke really quick. So for me, it's a quick smoke. But, um, you know, just throw my bag and have it anywhere and smoke anywhere without having even to think twice or worry about it. It's really easy smoke. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm what I would call done with this at this point. Um, but I mean, I've been smoking it for an hour and twenty minutes, which is pretty quick for me for a robusto. Man, you beat me. I have, I was at like forty-five. I know. All right, everybody. <laughs> Thank you very much for watching. We appreciate it. Uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow for Al McAuliffe. Tune in next week for the shenanigans that happen uh, next Wednesday during sharing our pairings. Uh, I mean, I, I hate sounding like a shill man, like I'm trying to sell the show. But, I mean, if you're going to watch one episode this spring, whatever season this is in your neck of the woods for us, it's third winter. Um, <laughs> what what yeah. you do, This is the one episode that you probably want to tune into because it's going to be uh it's gonna be a blast for everybody involved be there or be square that's it that's all it is what he said all right everybody have a good night thank you for watching we'll we'll see you tomorrow or next week